everybody and welcome to Roar. My name is Sam Spellman and today we're going to have an uh, amazing, amazing conversation. It's going to be spectacular, cool, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm real excited. Um, if this is your first time listening to the show or listening to the podcast as it is called, um, this is just a simple conversation about the Word of God. It's called Roar, which means revealing our amazing Redeemer. And uh, that's that's all this is about. We want to dig into the Word, read Scripture, and let it reveal who God is. Um, think of it like a little Bible study, just something to start conversation, something that this week, you know, you're going through your week about at that halfway point, and you listen, and it's like, okay, maybe I can talk to the Lord about this. I just I want to help your conversation. That is um, definitely the goal with this. And so today, I'm, I'm going to get into uh, James chapter 4. Um, there's some really, really good stuff. Number one, read the whole book of James. It's like, it's been compared, and I've heard it said that it's like a New Testament version of Proverbs. Um, there's just a lot of wisdom um, that James really lays down. And in the beginning of chapter 4 is some very solid wisdom, which I want to get into, and it is this. I'm just going to read it, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about it as a team, right? says this, verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Now, that's a very good question he's proposing, but he's proposing it because he has an answer. You know, it's important we understand he's, whenever a question's asked, a lot of time if you hear the Lord, even Jesus, he asked a lot of questions, but he didn't ask the questions because he it was like, oh, I, I just don't know. But most of the time, the question was to actually provoke the heart and it was to to kind of pinpoint something so that then whenever he would give an answer, it had context. So it's important, you know, these these questions also, they're, they're kind of an on-ramp for, for revelation to land. It gets your, your heart and your mind kind of thinking in a, in a vein of thought, and then there's a solution that's able to be interjected by the Spirit. So this is the question that's opened up. It says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So he's he's very quickly connecting any sort of quarreling and fighting or arguing and fighting to passions that are at war within. In other words, it's not necessarily the other person. It's there's this, um, you know, untamed situation going on in the heart. It says this in verse two, you desire and do not have. So you murder, period. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not, okay, so so there's your number one problem. What are the things? There's a desire to have something and you don't have. So then you murder or you take out someone else so that you can get what you want. You know, it's why you see a lot of times real little kids, they, they, they'll break out into a fight over like, it's like a jelly bean. And they're like ready to fight to the death for that jelly bean because they have such a strong desire and they haven't yet had the time to really learn how to put their desires into check and really, you know, have their flesh submit. So they have this desire. So they just start ripping in. And if those things go unchecked, we can grow up and be full grown adults and have murder in our heart because we feel like we deserve something. Murder is, you know, this, this desire 
that he's talking about this flesh desire is directly connected to entitlement a lot in a lot of ways. Because if I have this desire and I allow the desire to come to a place where I don't, and he continues later on in the chapter, so this will kind of circle back. But he's there's this desire that's had, and if that desire is gone unchecked, and I don't understand that everything comes from the Lord, the fact that the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, that I am stewarding things in the earth, that I don't like own things, right? It's a different mindset. It's very, it's a little tweak, but that little tweak really helps because if I have an idea that I own, like, you know, and again, this is definitely probably more of an issue in the West than it is in some other um, countries or nations, but it's, it's a thing that everyone deals with. If I think that I own everything, like if, well, I worked for it and I bought it and so I own it. Well, yes, that's, that's true. But at the same time, who's giving you breath? Who's giving you the ability to even go to work? Who formed you in your mother's womb? Who created the earth in the first place for you to have resources to even use, to create, to make, to work on, right? There's a, there's another layer that needs to be realized that, hey, I don't really own this, but I'm stewarding what has been given to me. And that stewardship heart makes your desires kind of come into check. It helps desires to to keep from going way out. But again, that's why little kids, they haven't learned this a lot of times yet. So their desires just go rampant. And that's why the parents, they come in and they, they teach these things. They, you know, help, help their kids get a grip on this because understanding this helps us to keep our heart free from murder. Because again, he talks about desire and you do not have, so you murder. In other words, murderous intent or such bitterness and anger, or you just want someone just to, to eat it. You know, that comes from uh, a desire that's gone unchecked or an entitlement or a feeling of, I deserve something that I have not gotten. And so then there's this rage, there's this anger that then can bubble up out of that, whether it's justified and that person has completely gypped you or they haven't. It's still a responsibility of us as followers of Christ. You know, if anyone had a right to get ticked off, it was probably the Lord, and excuse me for saying ticked off, someone to get angry. If anyone had a right to get full of rage and anger and just lay it down, it was probably Jesus. He is only doing good. He's loving people with a pure heart, and yet they have put him and sent him to the cross. They've not understood. They're not listening. They're complaining. They're frustrated. They're one They're one way one day, and the next day they completely flip. And there was this, there's opportunity and he would be justified, but yet with that, it does not leave room for redemption to work. When that self-justification and that murder comes up, that's why the Bible says, and Jesus even said, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't let a day end where any sort of odds isn't dealt with or at least discussed, talked about, you know, get it out so it's not in there festering and turning into murder. And then he continues, you covet or you want something, right? You, you're, you yearn, you envious. Covet is like covetousness is like more like envious, like you want it so bad, right? And you cannot obtain it. Maybe you don't have enough money, you know, and social media feeds that because there's these people that who are the, you know, if you're trying to sell your product, are you going to get some guy that has absolutely nothing and lives in a shack to be your ambassador? Or are you going to get a guy that's got 10 Lamborghinis, five mansions, and, you know, whatever. Of course, you're going to try to go for the guy that looks more affluent or has more money because it's going to sell better. 
Well, that then produces people you start comparing. Well, I don't have 10 Lamborghinis, you know, I don't have this. And so then there's this comparison that can enter in and covetousness loves that because it's like, well, now I I wish I had it, but I don't have it. Right. And you cannot obtain. So then you fight for something or you argue, you get in the court of law, you start suing people. I'm going to, I'm going to quarrel my way. I'm going to argue my way to victory. You know, you stand your case. You start, then there's there's an open door then for deception to come in, lying, scheming, right? And that's how the devil operates. That's not how God operates. He's clean, pure, honest, just, and fair. God's not up there scheming some plan. He's very open and clean. He's, he's clear, right? But whenever we allow some of these things, if we allow this in our heart, and it doesn't go checked, you know, this is something we all have to deal with. And don't feel guilty if you have you know, have ever had a, a an envious thought or you've ever, you know, gotten to a point there's redemption and there's grace to the humble. And I'm going to keep reading because he, he talks about that. So I'm just going to continue reading and, and we'll circle back here. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. So there's a connection to asking. In other words, where's the source? Is the source me and my time and my work or is the source God made the earth? He's the creator. Is he the source? Right? See what he's, he's asking there. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. In other words, your motivation for asking is not God's motivation for creating. It's so that you can have what you want, what you're covetous for, or what even created that murder in your heart in the first place. If your child got super angry at their sibling, right? You got two, say, for instance, it's Dan and I. I'll use us as an example. Say Dan and I, you know, we're, we both go to the store with, you know, the family, we're all going out shopping, right? And let's just make it over something funny. So I go and I see a bag of Cheetos, right? And I want a bag of Cheetos. I got a little bit of covetousness for these Cheetos, right? And I want them, but then Dan also wants the Cheetos, right? And say it's, you know, a time where, you know, I I maybe got something and, and there's now, okay, Dan's getting something, right? Or vice versa, right? There's this opportunity where favor's given. And say Dan gets, you know, two bags of Cheetos and I don't get any. Well, now I got to check my heart because, yeah, I really wanted Cheetos. But is that worth letting that fester? I can either, I have an opportunity at this moment. Am I going to take that opportunity? Am I going to be upset? Am I going to take it to heart? Am I going to start swearing? I swear I'll get even. Whoa, watch out. Don't, don't, don't let your heart go there, you know, or there's this judgment that, oh, he always gets what he wants. So then now I have this envy in this murder where Dan's not done anything to me. He's not, he's just, he's got a bag of Cheetos. It's a bag of Cheetos. But yet now I have this whole mental, emotional roller coaster and this pain and this hurt that then is created simply because I didn't get what I wanted because I coveted something. I could I can trust God for Cheetos just like Dan trusts God for Cheetos. I don't know, maybe Dan spent the last 10 years of his life trusting God for Cheetos and he's finally getting not just one bag but two bags because God is that good and really wants to see Dan enjoy his Cheetos, right? Right? He's a good father, right? So now Dan is getting blessed because of his perseverance allowing his heart to remain humble. And now I am coming from this bitter judgment. Oh, he always get what he wants. Who said that? Is that is that fair? Do I am I in his head? Do I know all the relationship? Because you can see how the enemy 
plays people, and he he is a master at trying to trick us and scheme us into turning everything personal and turning everything about ourselves instead about the goodness of God, trusting God, and not getting into odds with with our fellow brethren and sisters, because God made everyone. God's got more than enough for everyone. He created the earth full of resources, plenty of resources. He can. There's enough for everyone to have a bazillion dollars. But the question is, can everyone's heart, because see, this is dealing with the heart. Can everyone's heart handle two bags of Cheetos or a bazillion dollars, right? So he continues, you ask wrongly. So it's talking about to spend on your passions. So you're asking of the Lord, you're, you're coming before the Lord for things. You're not asking him for, from the way that he operates, but you're asking for your own self. And he can, he, um, closes kind of this thought with this in verse four. You adulterous people. So now it's a relational thing, right? It's not just a, you know, I want this, I want that. It's now become a trust breaker between myself and the Lord. Do you know that friendship with the world or your passions, friendship with your own self-righteous desires, right? Your covetous desires, right? The thing that creates murder in verse two, you desire and don't have. So that desire, and then he continues your covetousness and you can't obtain, the fighting and the quarreling, all of that is earthly things or the worldly things when the Bible's talking. So he says, do you not know that friendship or relationship, that friendship is like covenant. Think marriage. You've, you've, you've aligned your heart with that. That's all you think about. That's where your mind goes. You now have aligned with that. Friendship with the world is enmity, is enmity with God or is the opposite. It's at war with God's way because God doesn't operate that way. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world or in relation and get what he wants in the world or the world's way makes himself an enemy of God. So then why would you ask your enemy, you know, hey, you know, I want this. You know, you can't come to your enemy and just ask stuff freely. It's a different kind of, you know, you got to have that relationship built. So then he continues. Verse five, or do you suppose that it is at no purpose that the scripture says this, he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell within us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's verse six. See, what's, how do we deal with this opportunity? What's the solution? How can we take away? You know, obviously we've all dealt with desire. We've all, I mean, I've, I mean, we've all dealt with even the intent to murder, you know, even at a young age or an old age. I mean, this is stuff that we all have to really keep on check in our hearts. This is something that we walk and we learn and we mature. See, it's about being a mature believer, a mature follower. Mature followers, we have self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit. It's self-control, lovingness, kindness, gentleness. If I'm covetous and I'm, I have murder in my heart, I'm not going to be gentle. I'm not going to be kind. I'm going to be a backstabber. I'm going to be a liar, a cheat. I'm going to be passive aggressive. I'm going to be aggressive to begin with, right? These things begin to come out and they can come out of our heart. You covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you quarrel. Again, how do, how do we deal with these things? What causes quarrels and fights in us? You want to break everything down and just follow it all the way back to the very root. The very root of it is that we have either chosen to trust ourselves the natural realm, or other people more than we've chosen to trust the Lord. Because the only one who is worthy of absolute trust 
is the Lord. Because we weren't made to just be self-dependent. When God formed man, he didn't just form man to be on his own. He formed man to be in relationship with other people. He had Eve and Adam, right? But he also formed man to walk with him in the garden in the cool of the day. So man was not just to be by himself, but man was to be dependent first and foremost upon God and then to walk humbly and work together with other people. That's an understanding, but if we flip things and we get it where I'm now dependent on myself, then other people, and then God, see how you flip it? And if it's flipped upside down, then it's going to produce wrong desires. I'm going to have murder that can has opportunity. It's not, it's not like automatic, but it gives a lot of open doors for these things to come into my heart, to come into my mind. And understanding this truth that God is, he's fair. Relationship with God is more important than relationship with people or the natural realm, the spirit. The Bible says this, Jesus said to the woman at the well, he goes, the father is seeking those who would worship him in spirit and in truth, true worshipers. In other words, it starts in the heart and the spirit of man first, and then it comes to the outward realm. It doesn't go the other way around. Just because, man, man, if I can just get a a couple more bucks, then I'll be okay. If I could just get more money, then I wouldn't have to deal with all this emotional upheaval. No, you'll get more money, and then you'll have even more problems. It's better to have things dealt with in the heart first, because that's where everything stems from. It comes out. Jesus said this, it's not what goes in a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of a man that defiles him. In other words, it's the words. And where where do your words come from? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's what's in your heart that can defile you. Well, how do you deal with your heart? Well, it's, it's back to the mental warfare. It's back to the spiritual warfare and what's going on in my thought. The Bible talks about casting down every thought that would exalt itself against the word of God. We've got to be skillful to call out these desires. We've got to be skillful to call out covetousness. We've got to be skillful to call skillful, excuse me, to call out self-righteousness and pride. We've got to be skillful to call out anything that would exalt itself against covenant with God, any thought that would come against God's way of doing things that would create me to be a friend of the world and not a friend of God. I've got to call these thoughts out. I've got to be able to recognize them. The only way to dig into the Word of God, trust the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us. He can do more (laughs) in a moment. I mean, He is, I can't even say it in English. It's incredible what the Spirit of God can do. But it takes a yielded, humble heart. Because what did He say, continuing down verse 6 and 7? He says this, what has made Him, excuse me, but He gives grace, more grace, talking about the Father. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil in his tricks, his thoughts, his ways, the natural carnal man, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. Draw near to the Spirit of God, which is resident on the inside of you. You're born again. You have God. He is living in your, he is dwelling within you. Answers are available. But we got to seek and we got to seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to us, right? We got to seek first the family of God. We got to seek first the spirit. And that takes humility because it's not us just figuring it out. It's us trusting and submitting to the Lord. Submission starts when you don't want to do it. 
that's a <laughs> that's a um, oh man that's something we've talked about as a family uh i was talking to dad i was like man i i feel like i'm good at submission except whenever i really don't want to do it that was like i think i said something real goofy like that and dad just looked at me and mom looked at me they both were there and they both looked at me and they were like sam submission doesn't even begin until you do not want to do what you're doing in other words it's whenever we really don't want to yield to the spirit on the inside and we are fuming it's really we really don't want to yield and we want that thing so bad when we just desire and those things are just screaming that's when true submission even begins it's not when it's easy it's when it's really really difficult but see when that submission happens there's a trust that can be formed there's a covenant that is established there's a friendship with god that cannot happen any other way. Peter talks about faith proven, faith that's tested. In other words, that's that testing. Am I going to really submit and trust God's goodness? Am I really going to be a friend of God? Am I really going to give up the, the world's ways, the natural man's ways, the carnal ways of doing things, just with my senses? Am I going to trust my spirit? Am I going to trust the word of God more than what is screaming at me? That's when we, we got, we've got a decision to make. So it's therefore, verse 7, submit yourselves to God and resist the devil. So in the submission to God, resisting the devil, it's, it's all one big swipe. As we submit to the Lord, we resist the devil in his ways, his schemes, desires, covetousness, murder, anger, bitterness, um, self-justification. You know, the Lord is our defense. We don't have to justify ourselves. God justifies us. We just have to be obedient and repentant and submissive in these things so that he can elevate us and give us grace. Does that make sense? I hope that makes a lot of sense. This is this is very, very, um, very, very good, good stuff that we can put into practice in every aspect of our lives, every relationship. Um, it, it works in family dynamics. It works in marriage dynamics, boss, you know, employee. I mean, every aspect of life. These are things that we can put into to check where we can judge our own. Like Paul talks, I don't judge anyone else, but I do judge my heart. I take the responsibility to look at how am I living? How am I thinking? Not just what am I doing? I might not explode on somebody, but I'll go scream in my pillow. That's not right. I, I should be able to deal with it in the heart before it ever comes out of my mouth. Right. And then, you know, you read in the chapter before in James, again, we're, we're reading James four, James verse uh, chapter three, he talks about out of the same mouth, we bless God, then curse man made in his image. And he says, these things ought not to be so brethren. Does a, a spring gush forth both, both salt water and fresh water? It doesn't, you know, and so it's, it's understanding these things and really letting the Holy Spirit pinpoint in our heart what needs to change and not just letting him pinpoint it. But then once it's been poked, you know, that little little that little button of our in our heart, but let him remove that button. Let his love and his goodness, his grace remove that button and realize I don't need to have this. This is something that, you know, it's just a carnal thing. And I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna mature, I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna come up higher with the Lord. He's gonna he's working on me, I'm gonna work with him. Our friendship's gonna be established, our covenant like Abraham, who had covenant with God. He walked with God. He trusted God. His faith and his trust to just do what God said, just do it. It says it was counted unto him as righteousness. So 
I encourage you guys, believe what God's saying. Trust the word. Trust the spirit which resides in you. Listen to him. Obey his voice and see what kind of increase in grace comes to your life in these areas. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, Again, these are always a blast. I am incredibly humbled that you would listen, make it all the way through. Um, If there's any questions, feel free to email. There's um, stuff stuff in the description of the podcasts. You can click the little um, information and you can find ways to get in contact with me, websites, email, social media, all of those things. Anything you want me to discuss on the podcast, feel free to do so and check them out there. Um, I don't think I got anything else to say. Uh, again, just be blessed. God loves you. There's, there's so much available to us when we allow these things, you know, and, and just allow our heart to be open before the Lord. That's when the grace is able to come and lift us up out of the deception that so easily tries to trick us. You guys be blessed and I'll see you guys next time on Roar. Roar.